Hi, and welcome to Standard Precautions and Beyond, Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control, a podcast from the Alabama Regional Center for Infection Prevention and Control Training and Technical Assistance Center, or ARC-IPC. My name is Elena Kidd, and I'm a program director at the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Public Health. The COVID-19 pandemic has created an unprecedented need for chemicals to disinfect our devices, workspaces, and homes, as well as to sanitize our hands. But what are the potential health exposures and health impacts from using these chemicals? Today, I am joined by Dr. Ziad Kazi, Professor of Emergency Medicine at Emory University and Secretary Treasurer of the American College of Medical Toxicology to discuss these issues, concerns, and recommendations on the safe use of disinfectants. So thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Kazi. Thank you so much, Elena, for shedding light on this important topic. So why is the topic of disinfectants and their safe use so important? Well, it's important because we've all had to use more and more of these chemicals in everyday activities since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, um, at the at the beginning, we were trying to understand the modes of transmission, and we were trying even to understand the disease itself, and we were kind of really scared of, of this disease and wanting to protect ourselves and our patients. So we decided to use all methods available, such as personal protective equipment and disinfectants, to reduce the risk of transmission of this deadly virus. And so what is the difference between sterilization and disinfection? Because we hear those two terms used quite frequently. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, because we've, uh, you know, sometimes mixed up those two terms, people can get confused. Sterilization is a much higher uh, level of, uh, you know, elimination of microbes. Really, uh, sterilization is meant for devices that are usually used or enter or inserted into a sterile uh, tissue or are present inside a blood vessel or a vasculature. Think of um, a heart valve. Think about a uh, surgical instrument that is being used in an operating room to, uh, you know, to repair a, uh, a, you know, a living tissue that is usually sterile. In these cases, you cannot tolerate any types of spores in there that are present. Of course, you want to, uh, uh, you know, inactivate or kill any other bacteria, mycobacteria, fungi, and all types of viruses. So, so in this case, you need to sterilize this device. Now, when we talk about devices we use at school or at home or at a hospital, like, in, like you know, in our work environment at a hospital, we're really dealing with devices that come into contact with intact skin. In that case, uh, you know, you don't have to really worry a lot about these high uh, numbers of spores or these bacteria uh, or uh, microbacteria that cannot really penetrate to the intact skin. In this case, you really are satisfied with low-level disinfection. And luckily for us, SARS-CoV-2 is going to be amenable to this low-level disinfection when the skin is intact and when we are using this in these type of settings that I just listed. And so when we talk about disinfectants, what sort of chemicals or products are included in this category? Well, there are a lot of chemicals that could be used as low-level disinfectants or disinfectants in general. Um, There are some that are, uh, you know, better than others in terms of their safety when used, as well as how gentle they are for the environment. So there are some chemicals that have an environmental impact. Uh, Some also that have more, uh, you know, concerns with toxicity. Now, the Environmental Protection Agency 
has uh, recommended or has created a resource listing disinfectants that are both safe to the user from the health perspective and then gentle to the environment. And those are called the design for, design for environment uh, chemicals or disinfectants, DFE list, that you can find on the EPA website. The um, EPA has also provided the end list of disinfectants, and that's a list of disinfectants that is active against SARS-CoV-2. So that's a very useful list too, because when you when you go to a to shop for a disinfectant, usually you look at a brand name that has the chemical uh, that is, composes the, this this product you're buying. Uh, you have to be careful. You have to look at the actual EPA registration number. You can do that. Uh, look at uh, the first two numbers listed because there are three numbers listed on the EPA label. So you look at two of those numbers, the first one to the left and the second one. You can enter those into the endless EPA website and search for the chemical and confirm that this chemical is active against SARS-CoV-2. It can also tell you more about the chemical use and, for example, how long you have to apply it before it inactivates the virus. So the list is there are hundreds of hundreds of chemicals that are out there. Even with the same chemical, you sometimes have 75 or more, or 100 or more products that all use the same chemical. So it can get very confusing very quickly. So uh, the EPS provided, again, this DFE list and the N list. They're searchable databases that I refer our listeners to when they want to uh, select a product for use at home or in their work environment. And so like you mentioned, with us using more of these chemicals more frequently and there being so many chemicals out there, are they dangerous? And if so, how? In general, you know, when you use the term dangerous, I'm usually like, I'm usually don't like to use the term dangerous. You know, dangerous to me seems like severe danger looming around us whenever we use them. And it's not the case when we use these every day. They can be dangerous in that in that sense when you have an overdose. If somebody basically accidentally or intentionally ingests these chemicals. If there's an intentional mixing of chemicals together to produce toxic byproducts, now those, are, those are not scenarios that are seen every day. But yes, in that case, they can be dangerous. They can also be dangerous when they are used in industrial strength. So when you're using something that's very concentrated, it can become dangerous. That doesn't mean that there, that there are not toxicities, but I'm talking about when, when I talk about danger, I'm worried about something that is immediately dangerous to life and health. And those to me are scenarios where someone is drinking something intentionally or a large amount accidentally or really dealing with a concentrated form or mixing chemicals together that can release more dangerous byproducts. So that, those are the scenarios that I consider dangerous when I, when I think about these disinfectants. I hope that's, that answers your question. And so for kind of the daily use of these disinfectives, is there a proper or safe way or effective way to use these disinfectants to both protect yourself and prevent or reduce the transmission of COVID-19 or other infectious diseases? Yes. And this is, I think, what's going to be more relevant to our listeners today is are they safe for day-to-day -day use? And then what, uh, what are ways we can improve their safety? So that's what I want to maybe like spend some time on if you don't mind. For example, you know, uh, these chemicals uh, that are used in our workspace or at school or childcare setting or at home usually are meant for use in these environments, in these settings. So we need to make sure we get the appropriate product, number one. So understanding what product we have is the first step, reading the label and following the instructions on the label. That's one step. 
Another step is thinking about the surface we are trying to disinfect and realizing that these are not antiseptics. They should not be applied to intact skin or living tissue. They are meant for surfaces that are non-living, like a table, a keyboard, a stethoscope. And therefore, when we handle them, we should consider what we handle them with. Are we going to wear gloves? We should wear gloves because they're not supposed to be touching our skin. They can irritate the skin. Are we going to wear protective eyewear? That's reasonable, especially when you're spraying them or when you're dealing with a concentrated product that you're diluting at home for economical reasons. When you are in a setting where you're applying these chemicals, consider ventilating the room before allowing people to enter the room because bringing in fresh air from the outside or using your ventilation system, your air filtration system, will decrease the impact of these chemicals applied to a surface on your respiration. Another thing to remember is the importance of cleaning the surface with soap and water before applying these chemicals. That serves two purposes. One is removing the debris that could protect the virus. The virus could be hiding under the, debris, the, the dirt and the chemical may not reach it. The second thing you're going to do is, you would do by cleaning, is avoid a chemical reaction between the chemical, the disinfectant, and the organic material in the dirt. That reaction can lead to other byproducts that can have their own long-term effects and hazards on health. Last but not least, when you spray these chemicals, be careful, don't spray these chemicals. You have to spray them on a rag and then use the rag to clean. Because when you spray them, basically you're producing aerosolization of these chemicals and making them more uh, uh, dangerous to our eyes, to our respiratory tract, to the people in that room. So that's another thing to remember uh, with these. So again, to summarize, follow the instructions, ventilate the room, clean first, use gloves, protective eyewear, and then, you know, use the appropriate product. Don't mix them up together. And, uh, you know, again and again, remember who is entering the room afterwards and how people will be exposed to these chemicals that have been uh, applied in this environment. And that is all great information. We really appreciate you being here and sharing this relevant and useful and practical information with us. And that is actually all the time we have for today, but I know we plan to have you back to talk about different chemicals and their safe use in the future. Thank you for having me. So until next time, thank you to our listeners and please tune in for another episode of Standard Precautions and Beyond, Conversations in Infection Prevention and Control. 